the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and I'm also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my JD and certification, I hold a couple of master's degrees in law. That is to say, I'm both a master of the laws of taxation and a master of the laws of intellectual property that I use just about every day in my practice. And because of my education, my training, my experiences, my life's observations, and my lifelong interest in business and money and finance and the creation, preservation, and transfer of wealth within families and communities, including tribal communities, and the roles that these particular aspects of economics play in the lives of everyday people like you and me, I primarily practice bankruptcy law. I also practice some related fields in my overall financial practice, including debt wealth management, estates and trusts and wills, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And with these areas of law as my reference points, that is to say, as they relate to the personal, familial, community, and small business aspects of finance, I've spent the greater part of the last nearly 40 years, both before and after getting my license to practice law, fighting for the economic empowerment, the economic independence, and the economic autonomy of women and people and communities of color, including indigenous communities. And because I was born into a military family and grew up as a military brat, and I always will be one, I'm proud to say, and also help create another one with my former spouse who was also in the military. As such, I have firsthand knowledge of just how hard it can be sometimes financially and economically for our citizen soldiers, sailors, airmen and women and Marines and their families in our sometimes less than patriotic capital-based economic system especially after these individuals and their families separate from the service. As such, I also proudly serve veterans of all stripes and in all branches of our military. And as I shared with you before, my dad, I'm proud to say, gave back to this country big time via his military service. And as such, he informed me and my younger brothers that we too had a duty to give back to our community, to our society as a whole, and to the universe through our service of some kind of our own choosing in return for the great gifts that God had given us and especially given me. And on top of having a great father committing to helping me steer, <laughs> helping steer me in the right direction as I was preparing to leave his nest, I had the great fortune to both know and spend a lot of time with and then actually became great 
but with both my maternal and paternal grandmothers, both of whom survived the great four economic challenges of the 20th century, that is to say the Great Depression, the privations of World War II, and the systemic racism and misogyny that continues through into our society today that periodically rears its ugly head in front of me. And I do like, um, what is it, Taylor Swift? I learned how to shake it off. <laughs> and as these wonderful women who helped raise me and always loved me and share with me stories of their grandparents who loved and raised them in the post-Reconstruction Jim Crow South. It is out of my great love and respect for these women who were always with me in spirit, urging me on along with my late dad to do the right thing when the situation is right through my current chosen form of service, that is to say practicing and also speaking and writing about the law, I am sometimes able to at least attempt to vindicate the rights of women and seniors and the disabled who find themselves the targets of, and unfortunately more and more, the victims of some of the most pernicious forms of disabled adult and elder financial abuse that you could ever imagine that seems to be running rampant in our society today. So the purpose of Selwyn's Law, again, in case you haven't guessed it, is to discuss the law related to your money and more and more probably than not these days, the lack thereof and your overall finances and what you may need to consider to protect or reclaim or rehabilitate your or your families or your small businesses, financial health, wealth and money related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening educational form. However, I must once again ask you to please note that this show doesn't provide any legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to serve as an educational forum for the exchange of information that might be helpful to you as you begin your search for more detailed information that's tailored to your specific set of facts and circumstances, and hopefully to provide you with at least an outline of some of the key issues that may help you seek out and find the qualified professional help I believe you need if, we're, if you're having a legal issue that intersects with your finances and or your assets, but especially if it intersects with your debt. Now, this week, because inquiring minds have asked me and need to know, today we're going to take a look at the Civil War Reconstruction Amendments. That is to say, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which were passed by Congress and implemented between 1865 and 1869. And you wanted to discuss this because you want to attempt to discern why these amendments relate to all the controversy surrounding the presidential election that will be taking place in a couple of weeks when we'll start its official kickoff in because we're having a presidential election in 2024. Well, it's because it's all over the news that certain lawsuits and other activities by law firms uh, and, and especially lawsuits have been filed in different states with the goal of keeping the likely Republican nominee off the ballot in some states. Well, first, what is the sum and substance of the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment? And why did Congress and the then president sign these amendments into law? 
Well, these amendments are known as the Reconstruction or Civil War Amendments. That is to say, the 13th and 14th and 15th Amendments to our United States Constitution. Now, again, that were adopted between 1865 and 1870. The amendments were part of the implementation of the reconstruction of the American South, which occurred after the Civil War. Now, those of you who are not, you know, history nerds like I am, maybe you that uh, concept hasn't sunken in, but part of our country seceded and turned against us and started a war. And after the war was won with the assistance of many freed persons, that is to say, former African-American slaves, the goal was how do we reconstruct the union and how do we pull our southern states back in such that we become one unified country again. Now, the 13th Amendment was proposed in 1864 and ratified in 1865, and it abolished slavery and involuntary servitude, except for those duly convicted of a crime. And that exception is a big problem today, but we'll talk about that more at another time. But basically, the 13th Amendment its purpose was to abolish slavery and involuntary servitude. Slaves were, um, uh, were, were black and brown people, mostly black people. The 14th Amendment, proposed in 1866 and ratified in 1868, addressed citizenship rights and equal protection of the laws for all persons. But it was aimed at the newly freed persons. The 15th Amendment was proposed in 1869, and it was ratified a year later in 1870. And it did and still prohibits now discrimination in voting rights of citizens based on their race, color, or previous condition of servitude, a la former slaves. And it basically states that males of all races, regardless of their prior enslavement, could vote in state elections and national elections of the United States. Okay, the amendments were intended to guarantee the freedom of the formerly enslaved and grant certain civil rights to them and to protect the formerly enslaved and all citizens of the United States from discrimination. However, the promise of these amendments was eroded by state laws and federal court decisions throughout the 19th century. The promise of these amendments was not fully realized until the Supreme Court's decision in Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954 and laws such as the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and the Voting Rights Act of 1965. These three amendments were part of a larger movement, again, to reconstruct the United States that followed the Civil War. Their purposes, according to their proponents, 
these were individuals who believed that they would transform the United States from a country that, in Abraham Lincoln's word, was half slave and half free to one in which the constitutionally guaranteed blessings of liberty would extend to the entire populace, including the formerly enslaved and their descendants, such as me, each of which had been watered down. Each of these amendments had been watered down over time, making the goal of, of achieving a diverse, multicultural society only aspirational. So when we come back, we'll take a deeper dive into the rationale and purposes of these amendments and why they are so germane to what's happening in the news today. But first, we'll take a short break and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion of today's topic by taking a look at the Civil War-Reconstruction Amendments, that is to say, the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, which were passed by Congress and implemented between 1865 and 1870. I'm doing this to discern why they relate to all the controversy surrounding the presidential election that's to take place next year in 2024. Well, it's because it's, again, all over the news that certain lawsuits have been filed in different states with the goal of keeping the likely Republican nominee off the ballot in states. So let's look at the rationale and purpose of these amendments. My source material today is the Constitution Annotated, which is um, our publications of our own government, and they can be found at constitution.congress.gov. The Constitution of the United States of America, uh, colon, Analysis and Interpretation. This is the document, the Constitution Annotated, or CONAN, provides a legal analysis and interpretation of the United States Constitution based on a comprehensive review of Supreme Court case law and where relevant historical practice that have been defined by the text of our Constitution. This regularly updated resource is written in plain English, which I love and I love to share with you all, and is useful for a wide audience from constitutional scholars to those just beginning to learn about our nation's most important legal document. That's why I talk about this. Some of you say, well, Selah's law is supposed to be about the law. It is. And I talk about the Constitution because it's our most important legal document from which all other legal documents flow. Now, the Constitution annotated It has been in publication for over 100 years, and it is a comprehensive government-sanctioned, our government-sanctioned record of the interpretation of our Constitution. And that authorization comes from that big book of laws that I talk about periodically, the second book of law. It's to United States Code Section 168. 
So Congress has ordered the Library of Congress to compile and periodically update the Constitution annotated to provide essential information to Congress and to us, the public at large. And they it's online and every 10 years they make a bound edition. So again, you can find it at the constitution.congress.gov. Okay, so let's look at the 13th Amendment. And it is very succinct. It says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude. Now, remember I talked about um, there were white people who were bound to their employers. I'm going to say it that way. That it would be a situation where Maybe you were a young woman living in Ireland and you wanted to come to the United States and you didn't have the money to do that. You could you would engage in a contract with someone, maybe a a barkeeper who wanted, you know, somebody to come over here and work for him. Pay your way over here to the United States in exchange. You would be bound to provide services under contract for some number of years. So the 13th Amendment not only um, ended this involuntary servitude, although it's not was not quite involuntary, because sometimes it would be contractually based, and then sometimes the person that bought the person over would basically in- keep that bond person in a form of involuntary servitude for extended periods of time. So I just wanted to put make make that clear. Again, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Again, that little phrase about, you know, being duly convicted and then you get to work in a uh, basically a slave camp in Louisiana Uh, because you couldn't pay your bond for, you know, sometimes a misdemeanor. Uh, There's a problem with that. But, you know, that's that's for another discussion. So that's section one. Section two, Congress shall have the power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. So the 13th Amendment was proposed by Congress on January 31, 1865, and it was passed by the House, having previously been passed by the Senate on April 8, 1864. And it appears in the that's in our big book of laws. The 14th Amendment, um, Section 1 says all persons born, free or not, born, or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the states within which they reside. Again, we talked about federalism. That is to say, I I live in Oakland, California. I'm a citizen of California. I'm a citizen of Alameda County. I'm a citizen of Oakland. I'm a citizen of California. And I'm a citizen of the United States. So I have multiple Um, um, entities of which I belong. Here we're talking about you're a citizen of the state in which you uh, reside and you're a citizen of the United States. And it goes on to say that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges and immunities of citizenship of the United States. Let me say that again. 
No state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, semicolon, nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the law. So these important concepts that we in the law think about every day Equal protection under the law, due process under the law, shall not abridge our privileges, our rights, and our immunities. But these were implemented to assist the newly freed person. Section two talks about representative representative shall be apportioned among the several states according to their respective numbers, counting the whole numbers of person in each state excluding Indians who are not taxed. We've talked about the taxation clauses periodically. And it used to say that, thought, what is it, five, a certain percentage of slaves were counted to allow for the determination of the representatives to Congress. This section changed that. Now let's get to the heart of the matter. Section three. No person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of the president or vice president or hold any office, civil or military under the United States or under any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States, or as a member of any state legislature, or an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. But it goes on to say, but Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such a disability. So a person committing an insurrection or who gave aid and comfort to an enemy of these United States, if Congress, say, say that person has reformed themselves, Congress has the right to remove that disability and allow that person to seek office or hold office after having sworn an oath, then violated that oath, and then comes to Congress to ask for redemption, as it were. So the the 15th Amendment gave um, all men, including the newly freed black persons, black men, the right to vote. So again, the focus of all the brouhaha out there in the media and in the multiverse has to do with the 14th Amendment, Section 3. And the bottom line is, if people who don't, who don't abide by their oath, you know, I've taken a couple of oaths in my life. I told you guys that I used to be a Department of Defense civilian. I took an oath to uphold the Constitution. And as a lawyer, I had to take another oath to do that. If people take oaths and then engage in activities um, to undermine our Constitution 
and they are able to stay in office or get reelected, that doesn't bode well for any of us who care about our Constitution and believe in its aim of forming a more perfect union for us all. So we're going to leave it there for now. But as always in closing, I like to say here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including having access to and understanding our primary law, our United States Constitution. Only by giving us knowledge and utilizing our franchise that we can assure the proper functionings of our government and therefore only place in office any office, only those individuals of the highest integrity who will faithfully execute their duties of any and all offices for which we elect them to. So till next time, take care. Bye for now and Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.